Good morning, church. By your response, I can tell you hear me. Walking up with the mast, many of you wonder, who is that masked man? But I took it off, and now you say, who is that strange man? (laughs) Well, many of you know me. My name is Gary Strange. Uh, But who is this strange man? Uh, I sit on this, my wife and I sit on this side of the the assembly, and we don't see much of you on that side of the assembly. I see you, but I don't get to know you like I should. So who is this strange man? Uh, My wife, Mary Jane, she's up in the the booth helping me with the PowerPoint, but... uh, Mary Jane and I have been married for 47 years. Uh, I grew up in southern Indiana in a beautiful little town called Lagodi. Uh, several of you have fond memories. Uh, John has, a, I think, a, a, a resort cabin down there, John Tyranny. Uh, John and Pam Sharp have fond memories of Lagodi. <laughs> and so, but after... Uh, Years of it, four years in the Air Force and going to school here at IUPUI, I met this beautiful young lady, Mary Jane. And she's my wow girl. And uh, the Lord blessed us with eight, uh, eight, three beautiful girls. Eight. Uh, our oldest daughter, uh, Julie, uh, her and her husband, Chris, live in Lancaster, Ohio. Uh, they have no children, but sadly, uh, Julie lost two through miscarriage. Uh, our middle daughter, Sarah, and her husband, Chris, live in northern Indiana in a little town, uh, Walkerton, southwest of South Bend. They have seven. And then Katie, um, some of you know Katie. Uh, her and her husband live in East Lansing, Michigan, and she has four. They have four, and one is adopted. Uh, so. Not only were we blessed with uh, three beautiful girls, but also 11 uh, beautiful grandchildren. Mary Jane and I, again, have been members here at Gray Road since 1995. Uh, We were both brought up Catholic, but through the grace of God, uh, Jesus came and got us when we didn't know we needed to be got. And so looking for churches, uh, again, We came here to visit, and it's been our home ever since. But we also called home for 15 years in Africa. We served uh, 12 years uh, with ABWE in Nairobi, Kenya, where we, with a team, helped plan the church, Udawala Baptist Church. Then after that, uh, we shifted and spent three years in South Africa, where I was involved in... uh, church uh, discipleship and teaching, being involved with uh, training of Zulu, uh, Zulu pastors. And so we, we retired five years ago, even though we do go back uh, each summer, we go to Kenya and, and South Africa both. Of course, this year with COVID, we have been uh, prevented from going, and we hope to go next year if the Lord wills. So, it is an honor and and a privilege to be able to stand before you today and speak as we open our missions conference. And as I do that, let's first begin with prayer. Lord God, thank you for the privilege that we have, the privilege that you took the initiative, you open our hearts and our minds to the truth. You gave us the faith to believe and trust in Jesus. You gave us the hope, not the hope of this world, but the hope of an eternity with you. So Father, as we begin a two-week, two-Sunday, focus on missions. We pray your spirit 
will work mightily in the hearts of everyone, every member, everyone who attends, that we truly have a burden for souls. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As the text, you can, if you want to use your pew Bible, but I'm going to show it up, you can see it there. Matthew 9, 35 through 38. Page 814 in the pew Bible. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. The focus here is Jesus saw that the crowds, the Jewish people, were harassed and helpless. Their religious leaders, who, were, who should have been their shepherds, were keeping them from following the true shepherd. And it says, Jesus saw them, and he had compassion on them. Compassion to feel deep sympathy. And then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. But notice what the next verse is. They, they just didn't go. Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Jesus sent laborers, but G and Jesus even acknowledged the harvest is large, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord to send out laborers. And we notice in, the, in chapter 10 that Jesus does call his disciples and then the, the 12, and he sends them on a mission. But if, you, if when we look at chapter 10, to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus had, had a specific purpose for that time. They were to go to the lost sheep. But then later in Scripture, we see that Jesus sent his laborers, his disciples, to the, the rest of the world. We know about the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19. Jesus gives the instructions, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Also in Acts 1, but you, Jesus says to the disciples, you to the apostles, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So what began with Jesus sending them to the lost sheep is now a ministry to the world. Missions. We are focusing the next two weeks on missions. And we do this every year. But preferably, we don't keep our vision only two weeks on missions. It really is a life within this church and within us. But when, when, when we, you hear the word missions, what comes to mind? Missions. Missions. What comes to your mind? And I think what a, a common response will be, missionaries, missions, missionaries. That's what churches do. Again, missionaries are, are, are who? 
Missionaries are the ones sent to faraway lands to proclaim the gospel of salvation to unbelievers with the goal of winning souls to Christ, the true shepherd. Missions, missionaries, to go and, and, and preach the gospel of salvation, to win souls to the true shepherd. Again, part of our, our focus, again, is Proverbs 11.30. He who wins souls is wise. But why do we do that? Why, why is it important to us? Is that part of my heart? What do we know as believers? Why do we come Sundays to growth groups? But why do we come? Because we have been blessed beyond measure with what? We know the truth. The truth about what? The truth about life, all that is. We are not here by accident. We are here on purpose. God created us. We know. And we need to share that truth. And so we, we do focus on missions. And we do have missionaries. We got a couple here, John and Pam. I told you, know, they have been here longer than they want to be here. And with, through the grace of God, next Sunday will be their last Sunday here. They will get to return to Chile. I told John that this, this morning, I said, will you be here next Sunday? He goes, yes. I said, well, I'm looking forward to seeing you. But I'm also looking forward to not seeing you. We also have John, uh, John and Pam. We got Mark and Roxanne in South Africa. Mary Jane and I were missionaries. So we are involved in missions. But again, who are the laborers today? We, we, we saw 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked, he sent laborers. But now the, the vision, the harvest has expanded to the whole world. And we are involved in that. But do we, not, do we all not have unsaved family, friends, neighbors, acquaintances who do not live in faraway lands? And the answer is yes. So the harvest is not only in faraway lands. The harvest is when we walk outside those doors, you're in the mission field. But, and so, do you have a burden? Do you, see, we know the truth. The unbeliever doesn't. So we have a responsibility. We have a challenge. We have a, an obligation to proclaim the gospel. Do you have a burden? Who are the laborers today? The laborers are foreign missionaries that we send out and that we partner with from other churches. Yes, they're laborers. But we all don't go to faraway lands. We had friends of ours when, when Mary Jane and I, again, we spent 15 years. We'd come home on furlough. We'd visit churches. And we give our report. We show our PowerPoint of pictures. And many people say, I can't do that. I said, well, if God called you to do that, you can do it. But God is not necessarily, God is not calling you to be missionaries always in, in foreign and faraway lands. But there's a mission field outside this door. There's a mission field in our families, in our, church, in our schools, where we work, who we recreate with, 
So do you have a burden for them? Who are the laborers today? Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Not just full-time foreign missionaries, but each one of us. Why? Because we know the truth. John 3, 16, we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 3.18, he who believes in is not condemned. He who believes is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Condemned to what? An eternal separation from God to fellowship, to, to, God, to God to dwell with us, to be forever separated. Have you ever contemplated separation and an eternal, eternal? We can have bad days. And when we go to bed at night, we can start over tomorrow. But an eternity it's, it's almost like never going to sleep. You, you, you're forever. You don't get to start over. Do you have a burden? Mary Jane and I were blessed to come out of families who were decent people, good people. But we were brought up having to, to be good enough. To be good enough. Well, we didn't know scripture. And so when God sent a friend of ours who cared enough, who was burdened enough to share the gospel with me, for by grace you have been saved, not by works, when I saw that, it was, whoa, I got a problem. And so we submitted, we listened to what Scripture said. The, the church we were going to said this, the Scripture said this, and here I am in the middle. I've got to make a decision. And thank the Lord for his mercy and grace. I chose to except God's word. We were raising our family and it took eight years for each one of our daughters through the mercy of God. Our youngest daughter first, our middle daughter second, and our oldest daughter third. Eight years it took. We would, we would, they would come home from college and they would sit down, we'd want to sit down and talk to them and they would just roll their eyes. Mom and dad are crazy, but we prayed and we prayed. We prayed that the Lord would save them. That's the truth. Do we have a burden? And yes, all of us, in one form or another, one capacity or another, are laborers. Not just the missionaries, the full-time missionaries, but all of us. Paul says, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 5, do the work of an evangelist. Timothy wasn't a full-time evangelist, but Paul said to do the work of an evangelist. 90, 99% of us are not full-time evangelists that do the work of an evangelist. And to do the work of an evangelist is hard. It's a challenge. 
It's difficult. You heard the three men earlier admitting they were involved in, in, in ministry and in, in being evangelists, and they admitted it's hard. It's a challenge. It takes sacrifice. It takes commitment. But, but again, what do we know the truth? We have been transformed. We are new creatures. We no longer, we have to live in this world, but we no longer are of this world. We know this is temporary. We know that we do not have to fear death. Steve Myers was a dear friend of mine. I've known him for over 40 years. And it hurt when he passed. But yesterday was not just the sorrow of seeing him go, but the rejoicing to know that he is with the Lord. And to know that one day we too are going to pass. That's not a pleasant, that's not a pleasant thought. We don't know when that day will come. But are you ready? Am I ready? To rejoice, knowing that I, through God's mercy, have been forgiven. And I have a, the hope of an eternity the good news of salvation with Jesus Christ. So it's a challenge. The video that Pastor Chad showed, that's a challenge. Boy, can I, I can't do that. Can you do the work that God is calling you to do? I can't do that. Well, I'm going to take a little bit of time and go to Exodus chapter 3. When we say we can't do that, let me tell you what page it is. In the Pew Bible, page 46. And what we're going to see is one of the great men of the Old Testament. God called him to do a, a, a task. And we're going to see, and God is calling us to do a task. And we're going to see, we have a lot in common with this man, Moses. You ever think of that? Have you ever been told to look at, we have something in common with Moses? Moses? We put him on a pedestal sometimes. But let's look in the Ephesians, not Ephesians, I say that all the time, Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 1. What was Moses doing? He was in the, the backside of the desert. What? He was a shepherd. Been there 40 years. Raising the family, doing his job, day in, day out. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And, and to jump ahead, what happens? Moses saw a burning bush. And it got his attention. He says, I got to go see what's going on. And when he gets there, in verse 10, come, God says, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses, God got Moses' attention. He wants Moses to do something. Have you, do you have to have a burning bush experience for God to get your attention? 
I had one. Again, I told you Mary Jane and I were missionaries for 15 years. We were first to go to Trinidad. When we were through with candidate class in ABWE in Harrisburg, we went on a survey trip to Trinidad. And we got there, and I looked around, and I says, I can't do this. We came home, and I quit. I quit. Six, within six months, God gave me a herniated disc in my lower back. And I tell you one thing, men scream in pain. I couldn't sit, I couldn't walk, I couldn't lay down, I couldn't do anything. Ask Mary Jane. I couldn't do anything. The pain. I, I couldn't even sleep with her because I kept her up all night. So I laid out in our balcony, in our uh, loft, just watching the fan go by. And God impressed upon my heart. He said, Gary, you can't walk if I don't give you the strength. So if I want you to go to Africa, if I want you to do this, I can do it. I'll do it for you. Within six months later, where were we? In Africa doing what I said I won't and couldn't do in Trinidad. And so, does, is it going to take a burning bush experience? Maybe not. For God to get your attention. And then we say, so what's that got to do with our commonality, with, with what, what, how, how, how Moses responded? What did Moses do in verse, again, 3... Verse, in chapter 3, verse 11, Moses, again, God said, Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. And what did Moses say? Who am I that I should go? He was trying to, he gave an excuse. Who am I? That's what I said. Who am I? I'm no one special. I can't do that. Lord, you want me to... Who am I? Moses was a simple shepherd, but yet called by God to do something. We are simple. I think most of us are not royalty. We are simple people. Doing the best we can to live day in, day out, raising our families. We had good times and bad times. Who am I? But God will not take excuses. Look down on verse 13. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me. Where are the people? They are in captivity. Abraham was told that for 400 years they would be bound. And now God is going to release them. He was going to send Moses. But Moses says, if I go, what is his name? What shall I say to them? By what authority? Moses is going to say, I'm going to lead you out of bondage. And they say, who are you? By what authority? And God says, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. By what authority? I am the great I am. By what authority? If we are, are given a command to proclaim the gospel, by what authority? I have no authority. Well, we have the authority of God's word. So is that a ex valid excuse? No, it's not. But that's what Moses was trying to use, and at times maybe it's something we try to use. But again, Moses isn't finished. We switch over to chapter 4. Verse 
verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. What's his excuse? I'm not qualified. I'm slow of speech. I can't communicate. What about us? We are challenged to proclaim the gospel. I'm not qualified. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I didn't go to Bible school. But what do we see in Ephesians 4.12? God sent, again, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers in verse, and then Ephesians 4.12 to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. Who are the saints? I'm not talking about New Orleans, the New Orleans saints. Who are the saints? We, the believers. For what? To sit back on Sunday and come to church and hear a good sermon, then go out and live the way we want? Say, no, we've been called. We are new creatures. We have a new focus on life. And we have been called do a job to again we have been given pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry who does the work of ministry the pastors and the, and the missionaries no we all we are all saints we all are to be equipped that's one of the things that we we, we do we receive here each Sunday we worship but within, God opens up the scriptures through our pastor, through the elders who again, are equipping us. So you don't have to go to the Bible school. It helps, yes. But you can have home Bible studies. You can do your study on your own. There's all types of ways now to become equipped. And then Moses, again, not, not, still not finished, he goes to fourth excuse in chapter 4, verse 12. And this is the, uh, probably one of the best excuses we can come up with. Now therefore go, and I will be your mouth, and teach you what you shall speak. But Moses said, he said, O oh my Lord, please send someone else. Lord, let somebody else do it. You have family and friends and neighbors and loved ones and, and, and acquaintances that only you will, they, only, they are in your circle of influence, in your circle of life. Pastor Toby will never see most of them. Full-time missionaries will never see them. But you are a missionary. You are a laborer, are you not? Let somebody else do it. So we, are, we have a commonality with Moses. But throughout these two chapters, I'm not going to go to each one, but I'm just going to say, we see who does the work of going, of, of, of equipping, of providing. God wants our, uh, our availability. He doesn't need our ability. He will provide. There are seven I wills that God tells Moses, I will. In chapter 3, verse 12, I will be with you. Verse 17, I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt. 
Verse 20, I will stretch out my hand. 21, I will give this people favor in the sight of Egypt. Chapter 4, verse 12, I will be your mouth and teach you what you will say. 15, I will be your mouth and with his mouth and teach you both what to do. God is sending Moses. Moses is to go, but where's the ability come from? It's from God. The same with us. All we have to do is submit. Are we burdened? We know the truth. Our unsaved friends and family, unsaved, condemned to eternity, apart from God. And we know, again, from our scriptures, Moses eventually submitted. And he, he went. But look what happens. Look at the transformation here. We go to chapter 4, verse, um, verse 1. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And Moses says, it's a staff. A staff. Moses is what? A shepherd. It's a simple shepherd's staff. And so God used that, that staff. We see in, in chapter 4 here, God uses it to, to show Moses the power of God. And then when Moses agrees to go, Chapter 4, verse 20. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took what? The staff of God. What was before Moses submitted was a simple shepherd's staff. But when Moses submitted to God and when Moses God when, when Moses went, the simple shepherd's staff is now referred to as what? The staff of God, not just a simple shepherd's staff. God is the I will who will accomplish his purpose through those who submit. So, like Moses we have a challenge. We have a task. God is calling us. Do you have a burden for souls? Is it easy? No, it's not. Is it scary? At times, yes. But again, are we going to allow God to transform our lives like Moses's and that simple staff into the staff of God to be used by the I will who will accomplish through us. We're not doing the saving, but God is using us. So, to do the work of an evangelist. I forgot to turn the wrong page. So again, we are focusing the next two Sundays, this Sunday and next, on missions. A burden for souls. Again, the Great Commission. That's important to us as a church. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and, this, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am, I am with you always to the end of the earth. <clears throat> so here at Gray Road, we are focused. We want to be obedient to the Great Commission, to faraway lands and outside this door. 
to take the gospel of salvation and win souls to the Lord. But is that the primary focus of missions? Many of you know who John Piper is. And John says there's a greater mission. The the, the Great Commission is important, yes. But there's there's a purpose greater. There's a goal greater than that. He writes in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Worship is ultimate, not missions. Because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity. But worship abides forever. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and goal of missions. The goal of missions is the gladness of the people and the greatness of God. So the Great Commission is, yes, we go and proclaim the gospel of salvation to bring people to a saving relationship with Christ, but not just that they be freed from the condemnation of their sin, but that now we or they, we are free to what? Worship God. That's what, 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 what uh, Don Paper is saying. That's the mission. That's the goal to bring unsaved people so that they now have a relationship with God so that they can bring glory to God. So again, the goal of missions is really a twofold. Yes, the primary goal is to, to so win, but the ultimate goal is that we, we worship God. We were all created for God's glory. We are not accidents. Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. That's the truth that we know. Why do we come every Sunday to church? To worship, not just to warm up a pew when it gets cold this winter. Not just to say, Pastor, that was a good message, thank you. We came to worship. Worship. We see that we were created for the glory of God. We see that over and over in Scripture. And I'm just going to show, you know, have up three, three different passages, verses, just, just to give. <clears throat> when I was younger and I, I would receive instruction and they would refer to, to verses to go look up at home. Did I ever go home and look them up? Not very often. So when I teach, I like to show the verse. So we were created for God's glory. That's why we exist. First Chronicles 16, 29, and then 31, 30. I think I got a mistake here. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. We could stop there. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Who is this Lord? Eternal God. Without beginning. We, again, we are people who like to, what happened before that? What, what was before that? Keep going back. I've done that when I read one of uh, R.C. Sproul's books. God had something. He didn't have a beginning? I can't get my, my, my mind around that. But Scripture says God is self-existent. He always existed. Only he is worthy 
to do his name, who he is. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let the heavens be glad and let the nations rejoice and let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Is that, our, is that a, a part of our life, part of our newness that we are in our being transformed? We want to worship God. Psalm 67, verse 3 and 4. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Do we do that? Do you do that? Do you sing for joy? Let the nations be, are you glad? This is not just an obligation to go to church. I lived 43 years under that. As long as you were here, you're okay. I hope we, that we, well, I don't have to hope, I know we will never hear that here. We come to worship. Everything we do, oops, to miss one. Revelation 19, 6 and 7. That I, then I heard what seemed to be the, the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him glory. Let us, not let me by myself, but let us as a congregation. Let us rejoice. Everything we do is to bring glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything we do is an, can be and should be an act of worship. That is why we exist, and that is why Gray Road Baptist Church exists. Our mission statement, our purpose statement, you can, you can see it on the outside of this wall, just to the left of the doors. Why does Gray Road exist? It, by, how do, we, how do we exalt God? How do we bring glory to God? By exalting Christ in passionate worship. As a church, we come as a congregation to exalt God in worship, a passionate worship a zeal that's in my heart to the God, the eternal God, the God who cares for me, who loves me. How much does he love me? He sent his son to put his hands out and die for me. We worship God, we glorify God by equipping Christians for life and service. We've talked a little bit about that. We are new creatures. We have a new life. We have, no, we have a whole new focus of life. Life is tough. You can tell I've, I've gone around the block a few years. It seemed like only yesterday I was in the Air Force, 55 years ago. It seemed like only yesterday I met Mary Jane and we got married. That's been 47 years. But we have a life of service to everything we do to worship God. We, we here at Gray Road, we glorify God by what? Encouraging one another with meaningful fellowship. I think Kevin talked about that last week, a couple weeks ago, the, 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 the value and the joy of relationships Life is hard. Friends and brothers in Christ, they, they can encourage us. We can encourage them. There's meaning, there's purpose, because it's tough out there. And then engaging the world with the gospel. Not just through foreign missions, not just through John and Pam or 
I forgot. <laughs> Mark and Roxanne had a senior moment. We engage the world with the gospel through each one of us. A burden for souls. Again, that's how all of this is wrapped up in what we focus on specifically two years each, each year, two weeks each year, but also every day of our lives to bring glory to God. And to do that, we have to get through the sin problem. And so the Great Commission to make disciples of the unsaved so that they as well will be able to enjoy the purpose of, in which they were created to worship and bring glory to God. And that's what we, we pray that the Holy Spirit will work in our hearts that we have a burden for the lost not just, and even though it's critically important to, 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 to bring them to saving relationship with Christ, and yes, to avoid the, the, the penalty of condemnation, but mostly important, to bring them to a worship relationship purpose with God. And that's what we are praying that the Holy Spirit will work in our hearts specifically in a special way to, to increase the zeal, to, to give us zeal, to have a burden for the lost, that we may worship God and bring glory to God. That's why we were created. Father, we thank you. Thank you. Those words is, is, seem so inadequate. And we pray that, that not just the words, we thank you, but with our lives, we thank you. That with the hope that we have, the purpose that we have to bring you praise and glory, that you will work in our hearts to give us a, a renewed zeal if necessary for a burden for souls to proclaim the gospel that more and more people can gather around and worship and bring you glory. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.